Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. Arise, shine, Arise, shine. for your light has come, for your light has come. When sorrow threatens uh, to pull us under, God encircles us with holy presence. When the world threatens to overwhelm us, God says, I am with you in community. Let us worship God who does not leave us stranded, but joins us as protector, companion, compass, and hope. Arise, shine, for your light has come, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, has risen upon you. Today our scripture is Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on a pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, 
and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The word of the Lord. Will you pray with me, please? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the of our be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, as I begin this morning, I want to thank Michael Martin and Randall Miller who guided and led and offered the message uh, in the last two weeks when I was out of, out of uh, the pulpit. So grateful for their leadership and their vision and their voices. And I know that all were blessed. I was blessed in, in being able to watch the video of the services they led. Thanks to, to them and to all who led with them in that time. Skeptic. Has anyone ever accused you of being a skeptic in this congregation? I think one of the first things I, I saw, maybe my first week, I went down to the kitchen looking for a mug for some coffee, and I opened the, the cabinet in our Epworth kitchen, and there was a mug, and uh, it had the Epworth logo, and underneath it said, Faithful Heretic. <laughs> Have you ever heard the word skeptic hurled at somebody else? As if skeptic was a bad thing or some sort of insult? Well, a skeptic, as we know, is someone who questions the truth claims that are put before them or the certainty that others seem to hold. Throughout my ministry, and particularly when I served students as a campus minister, I've encountered many who could easily wear the label skeptic. Sometimes their questions were focused just on the truth claims of religion, and sometimes they approached everything with a doubting posture. It was not uncommon when serving on campus to receive an email or in later years a text, rarely a phone call. Uh, even, even then, most students didn't like to talk on the phone, and if you have young adults in your life, don't try to call them. <laughs> but I'd get a message um, with you know, some sort of veiled urgency asking to meet. And after a while, I came to know that the likelihood of the request uh, stemmed from one of two needs. Uh, either the student was struggling with a significant other 
or the lack thereof, or they were questioning the faith and the truth claims of religion. Maybe it was related to the faith that they grew up with or the insistence of the campus religious groups who prized certainty and rejected skepticism. What was true? What was real? They wondered. Well, I was always grateful when any student reached out for support, as I am now when anyone reaches out for support. We all struggle. We all need someone to lean on and engage with what we're going through. And really, these two areas of struggle, relationships and religion, were not surprising, as the main struggles of the students on that campus, especially given that developmental psychologist Eric Erickson tells us that the fundamental developmental challenge of young adulthood is intimacy versus isolation. And religious psychologist James Fowler tells us that the fundamental faith challenge of young adulthood is to move from faith that is dependent and assimilated to faith that is independent and owned. And let me be clear, these struggles of intimacy versus isolation and assimilated versus owned faith aren't one and done situations, even though they may be resolved to some extent in the young adult years, they come back around. And, um, you know, the, life is like that. I don't, I don't know, is anyone here kind of experiencing sort of a, just a nice upward progression in your maturity? Or do you kind of resolve something and then you kind of, and then, oh, we're back here again. And we have these questions of, should I, should I trust this person or group with my vulnerability or should I stay by myself, protected? Am I able to articulate what it is I do believe, even as I may reject some of the truth claims around me? A student sat across from me on the couch in my office. I, I usually share with them the insights from these two scholars, Fowler and Erickson. And while this information didn't solve their struggle, it, it did seem to grant them some peace. This is important work you're doing, I would say, Affir affirming and normalizing what they were going through. What I didn't explicitly say was that it was also necessary work if they were going to grow into the ability to be um, mature Christians and to make and keep intimate attachments in all of their complexity and make and keep faith commitments in all of their paradox. Questioning, doubt, skepticism, these are essential if we are going to mature. Religious educator John Westerhoff, in his seminal book, Will Our Children Have Faith, has detailed a progression from experienced faith, which occurs as an introduction to how a faith community and ritual feels, to affiliative faith, in which we get in touch with the awe and the mystery and the stories of our tradition. And in affiliative faith, we're able to tell our own stories and feel a part of a community. So in some sense, the photographs on our walls 
represent that affiliative faith. We can tell our own stories and we can see ourselves as part of those stories. But in the movement of faith in our lives as we grow, after we, after we learn the stories and are able to see ourselves in the stories, then comes a new stage that Westerhoff called searching faith. Searching faith is an experience of doubt and of struggle to know what is real and what is true. This is a critical moment in the journey of faith. And it's interesting to me that we've chosen to begin our engagement with this Lenten journey of a disciple at this moment, this moment of skepticism, of doubt. I've had moments of skepticism and doubt in my life. There was the time when I was 13 and decided to begin attending other faith communities um, other than my Methodist church to understand more about God or, or to know if there really was a God. Or the time during my seminary days when I felt clear that God had called me to ordained ministry, but the rules of the institutional church barred lesbian and gay persons from this path. And I doubted what God was doing in my life became skeptical of the church and wondered if it had any relevance or credibility at all. But I want to make a distinction here. The kind of doubt that Westerhoff talked about, that, that kind of skepticism I experienced when I was 13, or what questioning students expressed on the couch in my office as a campus pastor about the nature of God and reality, is different from the kind of doubt that is engendered from the misuse of power and betrayal, which comes from experiences when people or institutions we trust betray that trust. And yet both experiences of skepticism are about power. Whether we will own the power we have been given by God to say, I believe, and for me, this is true, and I embrace this particular path and tradition, or whether we will require, what, what, whether we will then require, and whether we, we will then require the institutions and leaders that emanate from those truth claims to reflect a power that is consistent with those truth claims. Both sides of those kinds of doubt are ultimately about power. Skepticism is a struggle about power and accepting the power that God gives us to be agents of love and goodness in the world. And as I noted, the reality is that these struggles are not just confined to the young adult years. Throughout our lives, we struggle with the temptation to protect ourselves from potential hurt and, and the certain complexity that comes with close relationships with others and what it means to be truly committed to our faith. When we have been hurt in relationships or when we see the misuse of power in the institutions of religion, whatever age we may be and whatever past skepticism may have been resolved for us, skepticism may creep back in to our approach to others, to church, and to the world. Our scripture today from Matthew is also about power. It begins in this way. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. It is significant that this scripture is uh, the scripture that immediately follows the baptism of Jesus by John in the River Jordan, during which the dove descends and a voice from heaven proclaims, This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus' baptism was akin to experienced and affiliative faith. And his struggle in the wilderness was like searching faith. I expect Jesus' struggle in the wilderness involved skepticism. Jesus has experienced the goodness and joy of faith in the River Jordan and in the affirming and loving voice of God. He's heard the stories of his tradition and has been brought into a belonging of the community of God. And then, in the wilderness, he struggles with the truth claims and commitments that all this points to. Now, let me, let, let me be very clear. The temptation that Jesus dealt with in the scripture refers not to doubt and skepticism. As, as I've noted, doubt and skepticism are normal parts of the journey of faith, necessary if someone is to arrive at owned faith. What Jesus struggled with is the responsibility of the power embedded in any truth claim. Truth claims have power because they provide a definition of what is and an identity for all those who are connected with them. When a truth claim is embraced, it cannot be divorced from the commitments that support and stem from that truth claim. I cannot say God is love and that I love God and that God loves all and allow my siblings to be homeless or hungry or abused. I cannot say that the Holy Spirit gives life and then not seek to breathe in and breathe out that spirit in every way possible and to offer that spirit to all whom I meet. I cannot be shown the riches of the world as Jesus was and fail to work for shared resources for all. The temptation Jesus dealt with was to stop struggling The temptation Jesus dealt with was to stop struggling. To sink into a kind of hopelessness or certainty or even comfort. And while skepticism and doubt are way stations on the journey of faith, they are also not permanent homes. There is a dynamic kind of movement that we are engaged in with faith. And that the danger of being perpetually in skepticism is that skepticism too can begin to slide towards cynicism. And in cynicism, no truth is claimed. No commitments are made. Ultimately, the journey, journey of maturity requires that we do emerge from wrestling with skepticism and doubt, at least periodically. Now let's return to the scripture. Jesus, 
emerges from the wilderness hungry. This is such an important point. Struggling with truth claims and the reality of commitments makes us hungry. Hungry for real love, for joy, and maybe most importantly, for community to keep struggling with and to be sustained by in our journeys. In every experience of doubt, there is the possibility that one would emerge not into commitment and community, but into emptiness, settling into no commitment, no power connected to the responsibility of a truth claim of love. I think we all know persons who seem to have ended the struggle there. And what are we to make of this? What do our truth claims say is our responsibility in those situations? Well, Westerhoff says that the critical factor in emerging from doubt into the power of commitment with the power of love made real is the presence and participation of a community. Jesus was hungry for community. As we begin this Lenten season, bring your questions. Skeptics, voice your concerns. Let's struggle together. We know the power of this community of faith, and we know the joy of the Lord is our strength. In the scripture, Jesus responds to the temptations to sink into cynicism and false truth claims, to stop struggling and rest in material comfort. The temptations, as he responds, the temptations become less and less powerful. And the truth of a loving, resource-sharing, abundant God becomes clearer and clearer. As we struggle together this Lent in our journey of discipleship, let us hold the witness of Jesus in his own struggle and in his response. And let us know that we, like he, will be met with angels, each other, who come to tend to us. May it be so. Leave 
their boats behind their work and all they held so dear they left beside their nets their names they heard as jesus called they came without regret leave all things you have and come and follow me and come and follow me for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week.
Uh-huh.